Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Welcome to another edition of the John Frisella Show here on the Fantasy Impact Today Network. I am live from the studios here in Alabama. I am Wes Easley, your host, at Loafinit on Twitter. And John Frisella, I, I don't even know where, John, I don't even know where you are anymore. I just know you're up north to the right on the map from Alabama. So if I talk <laughs> way, I'll find you eventually. Yeah, just uh, just get down on the highway, just ride down, and eventually you'll just kind of circle around and land in front of my house. It'll only take you maybe uh, twenty hours or so. Shouldn't be that bad of a ride. Twenty hours, really? I don't, I don't know if I have a car that would withstand twenty hours worth of driving at one time. I don't know. What are you driving these days? Uh, we have it's a, it's a Honda Pilot. One of the one of the vehicles is a Pilot, and I think it is an 07, maybe something like that. No six, oh seven Pilot. I like to keep things around. I I don't mind keeping things around, tinkering with them, working on them. The only problem with that one, the wife, I, the wife is not really happy with the vehicle anymore. Okay, it, mechanically it's sound, right? Everything is, but the the roof is kind of like the velvety stuff. The 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 lining is starting to fall in. It, well, actually, it probably has all the way fell in at this point. She just doesn't like that at all. So I got to figure out something. I brought up the possibility of taking all that off and putting wallpaper on that just to see what she would say. And she was opposed again. She was opposed to that too. So I'm not sure how to fix that to make her happy. You know, I I had a '95 Camry when I started driving many years ago. That came from my best friend that gave it to me, and it was such a pain in the butt to constantly take it to the shop. When I was done with that car, I was like, forget it. I'm leasing a brand new car every time. I don't care about ownership or whatever. I'm not doing that. Like, you know, I'd have to take it. My buddy's uncle was a car man. He would always come over and fix it for me. Then I'd take it to the shop the next week. I would stall in the middle of the highway. I was like, forget this. I'm only getting new cars from now on. So I've been doing that since like, you know, 2010. I've been getting only new cars since then. That one has about 180,000 miles on it. I have a, a 2010 Nissan Titan. That's my that's my personal vehicle that I drive around in and stuff like that. That one's got like 160,000 miles on it or something. I have a bread truck in my possession. I've actually, you know, I got four bread trucks, but I have uh, one in my possession that is a 2001 Isuzu NPR with about 210,000 miles on it. It is an emergency vehicle that I'm not sure can be used in even in an emergency anymore, but it's still there and it, it can get you through one day on the bread route before the batteries die. When you when you get up in the car right now, if you turn it on, does it start up right away or you have to do all types of tricks to get it to start <laughs> up? No, no, everything, everything starts, everything runs fine. It'll get you from here to there. And I would trust uh, either what I would trust everything that I own besides a, oh, that old one Isuzu to get me to where you are. So I think all of them could go for about 20 hours to go see John Frisella. And if you want to see John Frisella on Twitter, make sure you follow him over there at Legend Sports 7. You can also puts out a weekly article with Aaron Torres. Uh, what's, what's that website called, John? AaronTorresOnline.com, and uh, we're doing the NBA column right now. Of course, we did the NFL throughout the season, so moving on to the next season on the chart. What's what's the next season? Are you going to are you going to MLB stuff too? Yeah, we'll see. I, I just started working on my rankings for that because people ask me, you know, on the side whether it's text or DM. Uh, you know, I've been covering them all. You know, obviously the football we have the most fun with that, and the most people are interested in the football. But I've been covering them all for over twenty years, so I, I kind of do all three. Well, speaking of football, I, this is my first off season from football in the Twitterverse. You know, the the little circle that we're in, mm -hmm. and I, I can't believe how hard all these guys go at it every single day, every single week on the dynasty content, the Devi content, all those things. I, I 
I can't pay attention that long. I want, I want, I'm a more of a redraft guy is what I found out more so than a dynasty guy this year. Yeah, no, I, you and I are the same. We, we found we have a lot of similarities despite being at different points in the country. Uh, you know, for me, it gets a little bit like overkill after a while when I know that there are live sports going on that are active in their seasons. You know what I mean? So obviously for me, like we talked about last week with the Nets, with James Harden, I mean, I got to be into that. I've been waiting to have a real team for so long. So I'm into that and I'm doing the, the DFS writing for AT as well. And then, of course, the Mets, you know, it's a big topic here as well. We're getting Lindor. And then, of course, the Yankees are always in the paper and always in the news. So it's it's hard for me to stay in that football mode when I have live stuff going on in these other sports. However, I am committed to the fantasy community. So as you you may have seen, I've been working at least on my redraft rankings, getting that ready. But I don't know if I'm up to the dynasty and the Devi stuff yet. Well, I don't know how you can really rank these college players coming out of college. I guess you rank them based upon their their physical prowess, how they did in college. And so you can go from there. But ranking them into the future in the NFL, uh, you still got to wonder where they're going to be drafted, what kind of competition they're going to be in for that position that they're in. The coaching staffs get changed out all the time. I think about Jalen Hurts last year when he came out uh, of college and going into the pros, and he got drafted to the Philadelphia Eagles. So many things have changed for the Philadelphia Eagles this offseason and last season even that how how does your Devi rankings, how does your dynasty rankings get affected whenever you talk about somebody like, like, uh, like, like him? Yeah, I mean, it's it's really it's too difficult to even understand what the context is once these rookies land on a new team, and then also, uh, sorry, you uh, when they land on a new team, and then they compete against guys that are already there on the roster that might be in those in between spots as well, right? That that's the issue is you you might have a quarterback who's already on iffy ground or a guy at another position that's on iffy ground. Now you bring in a rookie that you didn't get a good enough look at. And you gotta, you have to bring them into your system and then try to translate that. It's really, it's gonna be one of those years where the coaching staffs and the front offices really gotta get together and grind it and really look at all the data and look at all the film that they can put together and say, okay, how are we gonna make decisions? We don't have as much info as we used to have. So this is going to be a really, really, like you said, really difficult time for the coaching staffs, the front offices, and also for the players to transition, maybe not a full year in the college, maybe not a full year practice beforehand. It's just, it's a real nightmare. Uh, It's just not enough time and the amount of prep time that the guys would usually have. Yeah, well, uh, my hat's off to all those Dynasty content providers and everything because there's a lot of great content that's swirling around out there for sure to be able to learn about all these new players, especially quarterbacks coming into the league. And I mentioned Jalen Hurts, and right now it looks like he's ranked about 15th from the fantasy pros. I think the top three are solidified. You know, the Patrick Mahomes, the Josh Allens, the Kyler Murrays, they're not going anywhere. Nobody's coming in there to give them any competition. But when we look at like a Jalen Hurts, there the rumors are even that Philadelphia could be looking to bring in another quarterback right now. And, and you know, if I'm Jalen Hurts, I'm going, wait a minute, I thought this was my job, right? But now they got a new coaching staff. Things just sit, are swirling around in Philadelphia. When we look at these quarterbacks, John, Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, Dak Prescott is a free agent, I think, this year, coming off an of injury. What do you think happens with Dak Prescott next season? Yeah, I mean, I, it sounded like when he first went down that the Cowboys were committed to him uh, as long as he comes back relatively okay, right? I mean, even even if you don't know, even if it's too early in the process to know if he's going to be strong, 
I don't think there's enough out there right now with the competition, right? There was a, there was a big article that just came out that the Patriots feel like the prices on the quarterbacks are way too high right now sure. because everybody's on the market. Everybody's in there trying to mix in and improve the position and add guys for competition. So the prices are going through the roof. So with that in mind, if you have a guy like Prescott, who most likely if the Cowboys medical staff and everybody and all the gang has been treating him very well during this time off, he's going to feel some sort of way toward them that he, he'd like to come back and give them a shot and say, hey, you know, I went down. I want to I want to make it right. I want to come back strong. So if they're on the same page, if the front office and Dak are on the same page, I think they're going to try to make that work. Probably a shorter-term deal, obviously, because there's risk involved. But I do think he'll probably end up with Dallas because if Dallas wants to jump into the mix with the rest of the league right now, you're behind the eight ball because people are ma making calls and emails and texts and negotiating for months now. And there's a lot of guys and a lot of names out there like no offseason we've ever seen before. Mm -hmm. This is the most flooded quarterback market we've ever seen. And for sure, for sure, in the last 15 years. I mentioned Deshaun Watson's job being safe, but from his perspective, he was kind of the guy who got it all kicked off right after the season ended. He said, I want out of Houston, and I want out now after they after they signed up a new uh, new coach, I believe, there. Uh, is he going to get traded? Or I, can't, I just can't see somebody like Deshaun Watson getting traded, but everybody wants out of Houston, even if they have a new coach. Yeah. So, well, I mean, you and I were joking before the show. I don't know what's going on with my laptop today. It crashed while it was plugged in at a hundred percent. Then I, I sent you show notes before that the show notes were from three hours ago. And then you went to open it and it was a blank document. So I don't know what's going on, but in those show notes, it did say that the Sean Watson, he, yeah, yes, he wants out. But right now the feeling around the league is the Texans are going to hold strong. They are not right. going to trade him. So what the next possibility is, Watson, if he's feeling very spiteful, he can sit out for the entire season because next year he has full, uh, full control over his own destiny. So right now they're in that uh, staring contest, right? Who's going to break? Are the Texans going to give in or is Watson just going to sit it out for the whole year? I, it doesn't sound like he's going to end up on another team at this point. No, I don't think that he is either. It's, it's, been, there's been, it's been too long. Right. If something was going to happen, I think something would have happened by now. And if I'm Deshaun Watson, if I'm anybody that has a franchise tag slapped on me. Right. Without having a new contract and maybe I don't have long term plans with that organization, I, I guarantee you I'm pulling something. Right? I'm getting my money's worth. I'm not sitting out. I'm not doing anything. I'm pulling something that they won't be able to know that I pulled. And, I, and I'm sitting down. If I if I feel like they've treated me unfairly, maybe they've underpaid me in the past. They aren't trying to reciprocate this. I know they're just using me as a body out there on the field, but it's the best body that they can get for that value. I, I don't know that I am going to give them everything I have. I might be saving it for the next organization that wants to pay me the money to be able to do that. I, that, that goes contrary to everything I believe in because I am a hardworking guy. I'm repairing my cars. I'm doing everything like that. But at the same time, I try to pay my employees what I believe their work dictates for them, right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, look, that's that's an issue for Deshaun. Because at this point, if he was going to restart with Houston, I think from the meetings that he had with the new regime, he was like, you know what? This is going to be a long process, right? The fact that he didn't even really want to hear it and he didn't want to really start over, that tells you that if he was going to stick it out with them, it was going to take years for them to be competitive. So that brings it to, to your point, which is he might as well try to stay healthy because his demand and his decide when he goes next year to another team is going to be based on where can I rocket toward the top of this chart 
and get to the top of the league quickly as opposed to having to work my way up again, which is what would happen with a new regime here in Houston. So if that's the case and he wants to jump up, let's say right into the top 10 of the league, well, it's not worth it to risk getting injured. So it's a, it's a risky spot. It's not like a Le'Veon Bell, right, that destroyed his career by doing what he did by sitting out. A running back has a short lifetime, right? Meanwhile, a quarterback position, we're talking about Tom Brady maybe playing until he's 50 years old. So it's not the same. You can't look at Le'Veon who made a mistake sitting out in his prime and now has destroyed his value. The quarterback, they, they, have to decide, they have to decide, maybe I sit it out here, I give myself extra years, and not only do I give myself extra years, it's at a high value and a high value team and a team that has a chance to win a Super Bowl. So you're right. It's a it's not a decision we want to make as athletes with our background and hardworking guys, but it is a business, and it is something he has to consider as he goes forward in his career. Yeah, because one injury, one one time through a, a pitiful offensive line there in Houston, and his knee's gone, and he's never the same again. And, and from an owner's standpoint, too, if I have a player that does decide to pull or have an injury during their franchise tag year, which I have every right to do because that's in the that's in the agreement, that's in the contract with the labor negotiations and everything. If I'm going to be vengeful, I'm going to be spiteful, and I'm going to trade Deshaun Watson to the worst team possible for pennies on the dollar, right? It, it, whenever it comes time for my last hurrah, that's what I, that's what I end up doing. And even if he is a free agent or whatever, I just want to do that because I'm spiteful. I am a terrible human being sometimes, Sean. <laughs> well, listen, I mean, it, it's a tough spot because it's offensive when you're the new people coming in. And the guy that's the key to the whole franchise is like, sorry, I'm just not interested in what you have to say. Like, that's it is offensive. So if you're you're playing devil's out, you're you're them. You're in their position. You're like, well, gee, I've been waiting my whole life for this position, and here I am, and this is the guy that really controls it, and I can't get anything from him. I can't get any any type of reaction, anything that helps us out. So yeah, I could understand being uh, butt hurt by that. But look, nowadays the key to everything is remaining professional no matter what the situation is, because the second you go off the rails, it goes viral and you don't have a job, right? So you go, as soon as you do anything that's like spite, too spiteful or to the point where somebody might want to blow up your spot and leak it to the media, you're done, man. So you, the key, no matter what, is 100% poker face all the time. That's your only chance at keeping a job at a high level in these, these high position spots around the NFL and also the other leagues. So un, as much as we'd like to be spiteful, I don't even think you can get away with that anymore. You know, I, I don't know. I disagree with you because Russell Wilson, who's the next quarterback on the board, who's ranked number eight here on fantasy pros website. Uh, he's, he's, he's being kind of spiteful. He's throwing his name in the hat, uh, ring in the hat, or his, his, I'm sorry, his hat in the ring, and he's he's saying he wants out of Seattle now. Him and Sierra want to go someplace, I think, wherever it's sunshine and uh, just beautiful weather and everything nowadays. And Russell Wilson wants out of Seattle. His price seems too high to be able to get anything in return for that. What, what are they going to do with Russell Wilson? Yeah, so that was also in the notes that, that disappeared magically into the sky. <laughs> Who knows where they went? Uh, but Russell Wilson, there's a little bit of a difference. The, the latest reports, and I read the last four or five, was the Texans are not even returning the calls now on Watson. The difference with Russell Wilson was Seattle is listening to the messages. So they, they are in consideration. They don't want to do it. They have no interest in really doing it. But if let's say, you know, like I said to my guys in the Jets chat the other day, I said, this is the difference between me and Joe Douglas, right? If Joe Douglas is playing a long game, he's the GM for the Jets. If I was in that position, I would call up the Seahawks and say, guess what, guys? You're getting Sam Darnold and you're getting my next four first round picks. 
Because at the end of the day, if you can get a Russell Wilson, that's putting you in automatic contention every year, and he's got plenty of years left, right? So I, I would just be aggressive and overpay because this isn't like a situation where the Redskins did that with Robert Griffin, and he wasn't even in the league yet. It's totally different. You're getting a guy who's a legit franchise quarterback Hall of Famer in his prime right now. So to me, that's worth it to say, I'm, I'm unloading the ship on you guys. This is it. This is all my cargo. So this is what I'm willing to give you. So that's what I would do. I would leave that type of message for Seattle, knowing that they're actually listening to the messages. But look, it's going to be hard in either situation. I feel like Watson, I feel like he may actually sit it out. I feel like that's that's where he's at if they're going to play hardball. And Wilson, I don't think they're going to trade him. I think I think these two guys are going to hold. And that's going back to what you said about Dallas. This is why you can't even get in the ring here. Because you got these two guys, you don't know what's going to happen. Watson and Wilson. You also don't know if Prescott's going to come back healthy, right? But then you got the Patriots on the market. You got the Carolina Panthers on the market. You got our two teams are listening, the Jets and the Bears, mm -hmm. right? You got at least on the bright side, you got you knocked the Steelers off because they brought Roethlisberger back. That was up in the air for a little while. But there's all these – and then you got the teams that are involved in the draft – Jacksonville, right? And the other teams like that. San Francisco doesn't know what's going to happen with Garoppolo. I can tell you right now, the Patriots have a ton of interest in Garoppolo. I mean, we've never seen a situation like this. We're talking about 10 to 15 teams out of 32 on the market for a quarterback right now. It's crazy. Well, and if I'm Tennessee, I'm sitting there looking at any of those names going, you know what? If they're going to, if they could take Ryan Tannehill and something else, I will be glad to have Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson in my back, in my backfield, along with Derrick Henry, making some better decisions maybe than Ryan Tannehill does at times. Yeah. I mean, Tannehill, he's been tremendous for Tennessee. I mean, sure. he's really, he's a tricky, tricky guy in general because when he was with Miami and he was on his game with Gaze, they actually did make the playoffs one year. So that, that is odd in itself. You would never really think that in hindsight. Uh, then the second he kept getting hurt, right, he had that stretch where it was like every other week he had a new injury, um, Miami fell off the cliff. So that shows you that his value was there in his past life with the Dolphins. Uh, with Tennessee, he had the highest quarterback rating in the league the first year on the job, and he finished, I believe, seventh or eighth this year. So he's done an outstanding job, but the question that you bring up is now has he peaked? Right. Is have you gotten as much as you can get out of Tannehill? And can you take those numbers? Can you say, hey, look at this top yeah. seven in yeah. quarterback rating? And can we sell that to somebody right now and get rid of them? So it's it's a possibility, although they, they've been very quiet. They haven't made mention of having interest, especially when, like we said, there's 12 other teams out there on the market. It doesn't sound like Tennessee is one of those. No, but you know, you never know because there's the Matthew Stafford, Jared Goff kind of deal that goes down in the offseason. To me, if I'm Tennessee, I'm looking at it going, OK. If I got that quarterback, I'm winning the Super Bowl, right? Uh, I'm, I'm thinking the same way if I am also Minnesota at this point. Wouldn't I want an upgrade over Kirk Cousins? Kirk Cousins hasn't lost all his value in the NFL, and actually you would think that he has good enough value that you could couple it with a couple of draft picks or even some young talent there to be able to get in return one of those high-named uh, high quarterbacks with Kirk Cousins. Uh, would you do that if you were Minnesota as well? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think Minnesota would like to upgrade because they seem to be in limbo right now, right? They're hovering every year we have this this conversation. They seem to be hovering in the 8, 9, 10 wins on the high side and maybe closer to 7 on the low side. That's kind of where they sit. They just sit in the middle there. The problem is it's very hard to sell, right? you got to think about the marketing aspect of this, Wes. Mm. It's very hard to sell Kirk Cousins to your fans if you bring him in. Because for whatever reason, he has a negative connotation attached to his name. You know, I always defend him. I think he's solid. 
It's very hard to find a guy who could play 16 games every year. Look at his history of playing 16 games at the quarterback position. He's very durable. He very rarely at this point makes the mistakes he used to make with Washington that made him known as kind of a gunslinger. He's kind of controlled that now. So he's not really throwing games away for you. If anything, he's not doing enough for you to win. That's why you're hovering in the middle. So, But it's attached to his name that he's kind of a joke. I don't know if it was that old meme Right, the old meme in the old YouTube video. Yeah, you like that when he did that video. I don't know if that's what it was or if it was the interceptions early in his career, but it's hard to take him on a new team and say, hey, fans, look at us. We're so excited. We got Kirk Cousins. I don't, I don't really think you can do that in today's day and age of social media and everybody being hyper aware. And also your reputation kind of carries more weight than your actual stats sometimes when you have to sell it to the fans. Okay, so then I'm just gonna go down this list, and you can tell me: Would you rather, you know, have the have the quarterback at the position right now, or one of those other guys? Would you couple them? Would you make a fantasy trade uh, with any of these guys? Baker Mayfield, Cleveland Browns. Would you make a fantasy trade? No, I think they're locked in now with Baker. I think he showed a lot uh, transitioning from Freddie Kitchens to Kevin Stefanski. I think the fact that his quarterback rating went up about 17 points shows that he's able to do that. And also you can treat Baker Mayfield now with that rushing attack, the way Tennessee treated Tannehill. You, you can turn all the stats around, which they already started doing Mm -hmm. by using that thread of the run to open up the passing game and also limit the high risk throws right? Try to take down the number ones that are going to result in interception. So I think they have the right plan. I think they're going to stick with Baker and that's, that's kind of a locked up position right now. That team played better without Odell. Am I right in thinking that or would have, would have, would Odell have put them over the, the hump, I guess, in the playoffs this year? I think you're right. I mean, it's some guys, regardless of how good they are, it doesn't seem to work out no matter where they land because there's some level of distraction. So I think you're right. Now, to that point, this week I posted my top 10 uh, wide receivers and running backs in the AFC for redraft right now. I did not have Odell in the top 10 for the AFC. I think that would be rare. I think looking at all the consensus rankings, he's somewhere like 7 or 8 or 9 because I'm not even including the other conference here. I didn't have him in the top 10 because I feel like there's always another story. No matter what it is, even if it's an injury now, the injuries seem to pop up with him. So it's always something. So I think you're right. I think they kind of settled down and settled into what their system was and what happens with your coordinators and your coaches. Is they feel like they have to appease him, and so does the quarterback. So now you're instead of playing with team continuity, you're like, okay, every once in a while, we just got to get Odell the ball so we don't have him complaining and rubbing off on other guys. So I, I think you're right, ultimately. Uh, Daniel Jones, you'd make that upgrade if they would take it, right? A hundred percent. I mean, I would love to get da- rid of Daniel Jones and turn it into something if I was the Giants. He's a well-liked kid. He's a good kid. Uh, he, he does pretty well in the media. They kind of, you know how some guys, when they struggle, they jump on the struggles, but then other yeah. guys, when they do well, they jump on that. That's kind of Daniel Jones. When he does well, they defend him. When he doesn't do well, they kind of brush it under the, under the rug. So he's like protected. He's in a little bubble right now, but yeah. I mean, if you're ranking quarterbacks, we talked about it before, he's in the high 20s. He's nowhere near the really competitive guys, the top guys. So I think they would love to do that. But again, you got you to put it in context of what's out there, right? Sure. The Raiders have Derek Carr. They feel like that's a short-term answer right now. But ultimately, they're in the mix to change quarterbacks down the line, right? On the same team, Marcus Mariota is getting interest from around the league. He's going to be in the mix to be a starter somewhere, okay? Tua with Miami. 
We don't know if he's a starter long-term. Obviously, they had a lot of questions about him switching back and forth to Fitzpatrick, talking about maybe making trades. The Saints, Drew Brees retires. Is Taysom Hill an answer, right? Again, San Francisco, Garoppolo, Carolina with Bridgewater, Denver with Drew Locke. I mean, it's a mess, right? I mean, this is this is crazy. It's, li- it's literally everybody except seven teams that feel secure are saying, what are we going to do? What about Atlanta? Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan's in the same place as Derek Carr, right? They're equal in their careers. They're probably going to go one more year with their team before they become somebody else's chance on a veteran like the Colts did with Phillip Rivers this year, right? Next year, someone else is going to take Matt Ryan and say, I'll give him a two-year deal and that's it. He's going to retire. Same thing is going to happen in the other situation. What you know? This is nuts. I, I just don't know where you go if you're the Giants and you look at that pool and you say, "Do we give Daniel Jones another year? Do we go into the draft? Do we look at those 15 guys I just mentioned and say, how do we get a quarterback out of that group? Where does Cam Newton fit into all this? Is he a, a part-time 50-50 uh, like Wildcat quarterback for somebody? I mean, it's crazy. He's a tight end. I've told you before. I know, I know Cam Newton is a tight end in this league, whether you liked it, whether you like that or not. Hey, put him in New Orleans with Taysom Hill. They can both line up at the tight end position at different times. They can both line up in the backfield. They can both line up under center. That is going to be a oh, let him let him do it there in New Orleans. That's where I want Cam Newton to go right now. You're really you're tough on him. But what do I always tell you? You want him to take one ball over the middle. The guy's taking a thousand hits in his career rushing the ball at quarterback. Now you want him to get his knee displaced going over the middle on a slant route. I mean, you're tough on him. He's from Auburn, man. I it's uh, you know I roll tide, roll tide, right. John. He's from Auburn. I don't you know whatever happens to Cam Newton, I'm Cam Newton. Ryan Fitzpatrick is a name that I got to bring up and talk about because I don't I don't want Fitz Magic to go away. It just, just takes me back to my childhood days whenever somebody like that was uh, just a star, just a stud, John. He reminds me of uh, the quarterback kind of compared to Evil Knievel whenever I was a kid. You know what I mean? Ryan Fitzpatrick is so much fun out there on the field. I don't want him to go away. I, I don't know what's going to end up happening with him, but I, I, do, I believe whenever I look at the stats, he's right there in the middle with all these guys. Fantasy Pros has him ranked as the 37th quarterback, but I, I, I think he's much better than that yeah oh he's definitely much better than that i think fantasy pros has him in that spot because there's a question as to whether or not he's going to be a starter right so if you're if you're ranking for fantasy and the guy might not even be a starter uh you can't put him too high but in the context of the league again i think the colts set a precedent for these teams that are in limbo i think you want to look at some of these veteran guys and say okay I don't think we're in a position right now with our young quarterback. I don't think he's going to get us over the hump. Like, I think Denver's a great example. You look at Drew Locke. We've talked about him before. I don't see it, right? I, I don't think we're going to wake up this year and Drew Locke is going to be some sort of super stud that just came out of being one of the worst quarterbacks and jump up the ladder like that. I think you could make a better argument for Sam Donald than you could for Drew Locke between those two guys in a similar situation, right? So I think some of these teams are going to look at the Colts who had a guy like that who may end up being the quarterback again now, that's Jacoby Brissett, right? They had a guy that they're like, okay, we're in games, but he's not winning games for us. He's giving us like a Tyrod Taylor type of feel. We need to get somebody who's a little bit better on a short-term two-year deal or one-year deal, something like that. And that's where Phillip Rivers was. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick is in that situation. I think with the limbo of the 15 to 16 teams that we're talking about, there's got to be three or four teams in there. Like, what about New England? I was surprised not to see his name on their list. Their list had Garoppolo and Sam Darnold on it and Teddy Bridgewater. 
right? The, the recent article from the Patriots uh, beat writer had those three names on it. I was And Cam Newton still in the mix for them as well. I was surprised not to see Fitzpatrick on there. Um, I would think that's what's going to happen to him is somebody's going to say, well, we're not good enough with the young guy and we're not in the right position in the draft to get the rookie that we need. So we go to Fitzpatrick for a year or a year or two and we just see how it works out from there. Well, if you say that Ryan Fitzpatrick's name is not on that list, that means he's the number one quarterback that they're targeting. Okay, because <laughs> you know, you know, it's not coming out of New England who they want, right? Hey, let's switch gears a little bit, John. Let's run over to the NBA this weekend. We have got the All Star Contest, of course, going on over there. I am curious about whether or not you have bought into any of the Top Shot moments, and what's your feelings about Top Shot NBA Top Shot. Well, shout to my man, Stevie Summer, one of my best buddies who is really into the fantasy stuff and knows his stuff. He actually had a top shot pack yesterday that he opened and showed me. Uh, nothing good in there. I'm not really involved in it, but I am in like a chat, the group chat where everybody's talking about it. So I know top shot is a, is a big trending thing, but you know, I didn't really get back into the sports cards market, which is also hot right now between the mm-hmm. two, the top shot and the sports cards, but I am involved in the conversations. I kind of just keep updated on what's going on. What's what's hot. Like for example, I learned on top shot that you want to have somebody who's numbered higher than like, say, let's say it's one of 10,000. It, it doesn't even make sense. The system. It's not like a sports card where when you get one that says one of three, it's literally one of three. This is just a priority thing. So if you get a top shot, like Stevie got one of Julius Randall, if you get a top shot of Julius Randle and it says it's number 7,800 out of 10,000, it's worth a lot less than one that's number three. But the thing that doesn't make any sense is it's the same video. So the system doesn't even – it's not like the card is a special card. You get a one of five, it means one of five. It doesn't mean this is a set of five and then there's another set out there somewhere. The top shot, it's 10,000 of the same video. So you want to have one that's ranked like number eight out of 10,000. But it doesn't even make sense. What what do you make of this whole thing? Okay, so I, I signed up. I was able to sign up a couple of weeks back, I think. Uh, me and Du Bois were kind of in, uh, getting into it a little bit, and uh, he, he's much more into it than I am. He, he's a smart guy, right? Uh, he, mm-hmm. Kevin's a smart guy. Uh, and, and I'm trying to figure it out. I ended up buying a pack, one of these guaranteed packs that I have. I'm still waiting on it. I bought this thing two weeks ago. I tried to buy a card last night. I was going to buy a Thaddeus Young card that was like 8 bucks. Eight bucks. And I went ahead. I, I, I hit the moments. I had bam, bam, bam. I went all the way through. I mashed all the right buttons. Bam. It charged me for it on my on my credit card or whatever. And next thing I know, they say, nope, sorry, this didn't end up happening. And we're going to give you credit here in a minute. And they did. They gave me credit uh, from from whatever this whatever, however, however it is, however I bought it. And they did that, and I, I was sitting there last night, John, and, and we didn't talk about this before the show, and it was interesting what you said about how it just doesn't make a lot of sense. I, you know me. I, w- I, I love thinking outside of the box. I love conspiracy stuff and all those things. And so last year or two years ago sometime, I was looking into the QAnon stuff because I was just wondering what it was all about and everything. So I started trying to figure it out a little bit. And one of the things that kept coming back to me about this QAnon movement was – this guy, Q, posting these things online was supposed to know information, but he never gave you information, right? He always right. spoke in code, and it was always strange and mysterious. And so I was like, okay, if you got something to say, say it. it don't mm-hmm. don't hem-haw around about it. You know, just say it. Never said anything. Then they kept moving dates back. Wait for it. Wait for it. It'll end up happening. Trust the plan, that kind of stuff. And I'm sitting there, and it got amusing to me, and that's why the only reason why I kept – 
thinking about it or kept getting involved in it because I was amused by what in the world are they doing? Why why are people buying into this? Because if you keep pushing back the dates, if you keep pushing back the times, if nothing ever happens with whatever it is they say is going to happen, then it's just it's it's a farce, right? It's farce. Yes. It's disinformation or whatever it is. Last night, I I got on here. I tried to buy things. I've been on many a times whenever they're going to drop packs on Top Shots, and you just end up being in the queue, uh, so to speak, uh, way down the road. You know, you get in the queue, and there's 250,000 people signed up for the queue, but we're only releasing 60,000 packs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going, wait a minute. You're always trying to release these things. Nothing ever comes to fruition from it. I know I hear uh, stories about people being able to get packs and get money, and it's all virtual money. And I'm going, wait a minute, this sounds a lot more like QAnon than it does actually anything believable or real. And I'm going, is Top Shot like Q? That's what that's what I'm thinking now. Top Shot is Q. No, well, at least I can verify for you that in that chat that I'm in, the I like I'm not doing it, but the other three guys that are in the chat. They all got packs. In the and la- actually yesterday, all three of them got packs yesterday. So at least I can verify for you on the ground yes. that it exists. That because from where you're sitting, it could be a farce. I mean, there's really no way for you to to see the evidence that it's real. So at least I can tell you that it is it is real and it's out there. And and what they're doing there is creating a lot of demand for it. So it's mm-hmm. a, they're smart. They're, their marketing is really smart. Yeah. Rather than give it away to everybody, make it exclusive, and then people it pumps up the value. It pumps up the stock of the whole entire thing. Um, so, you know, they're, they're handling, I'm pretty impressed with the way they're rolling it out and the way they're handling it. You know, a lot of people compare it to like Bitcoin and a lot of the cryptocurrency, the way that it was kind of limited and you didn't know quite what it was, but you made some good points about QAnon. Uh, listen, you can always sell the human spirit on the future on hope, right? So if you're at sales and any type of thing, and you keep saying, hope, 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 this is going to happen down the line. It's like the best sales pitch because you're saying it's in the future. So you're not being, you're not being untruthful. You're saying it's down the line. So you give the person the hope that it's coming down the line. And most people in their human spirit, I would say 90% of people, maybe 80, if you're being pessimistic, they believe things are going to get better, right? Especially. So if you do a QAnon at a time where everything is really bad, right? Is coronavirus, civil unrest, political nonsense, all this stuff is going on. And then you're selling people on something's going to come in the future. That's going to shake you up. They're, they're going to look for that. They're going to say, Oh yeah, that's right. Because things are terrible right now, but there's going to be some action. Some action is going to come. So I'll just keep reading these updates until it actually happens. So that's a good point by you. And let me, let me make a correlation to a TV show. And I always, I actually have corresponded back and forth with the writers of the show, the blacklist, the blacklist on NBC with James Spader. They've been selling you on what is his identity? Who is Reddington for the length of the show? The show's been on like six seasons, seven seasons, and they still haven't gotten to it. At what point do you just stop watching the show? That's what I've corresponded with them about. I'm like, guys, you're going to drag this out. Like they have a thing at blacklist writers on Twitter. And if you write a good enough comment, they'll get back and forth to you. So I've conversed with them. I'm like, how long are you going to drag people on? on this, right? That's like the QAnon. It can't just keep going on forever. And and the only way to stop it is people just drop out of it. Just stop watching the show. Just stop reading the updates. So that that's what you made me think of when you said of that. Well, and, and you know, I, here, I, I'm going to be in line at Top Shot at about 12 o'clock. I think 12 o'clock Central Time is whenever the next pack drops. And I bought a pack. I, I just haven't seen anything from it. That was two weeks ago. They told me I had to wait two weeks for it to come to me. And I'm going, wait a minute. You know, I, don't, I, don't, I don't get it. 
that maybe QAnon and Top Shot are both the same exact thing, and I'm just believing in hope, right? That's like you're saying, and I, I've heard stories and horror stories of people not being able to get the money out of Top Shot and out, out of these things right now, so I don't know. It, it's too early to tell, but I'll buy another pack, John, just if it get If it gets big enough, it'll be regulated very well. Right, like people had those issues with DraftKings and yeah. FanDuel at the beginning. Now they're like machines, right? If you if you cash out on something on DraftKings, you get it in five hours. Back then it was like, oh, it takes three weeks, and they always had excuses, you know. But when you get big enough, there's over there's oversight and regulation, and then you're not going to have those issues. But you know that's the old saying, fake it till you make it, right? So these sites that get big really fast. They're faking it with whatever their top people are that they have working for them. You know, if they if they have a programming department and they need to service millions, but they can really only service thousands, they have to do it in bits and pieces, right? I've learned that's one thing in my business because I've dealt with computer programmers and also I have family members that are in that business and people that do that type of work. A lot of times it, we're back to selling hope. You're telling people, this is what I'm going to deliver for you in the future. But then meanwhile, behind the scenes, you're like, how am I going to do this until I deliver it? You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah no, so, no, you're, you're absolutely right. And Top Shot has done a great job at uh, marketing and all those things. They've done a fantastic job at all that. I've, that's one of the first things I noticed about them. I'm like, man, they are increasing demand tremendously. Speaking about a sport that's increasing demand, John, the NBA All-Star Game is this weekend. But before we get into that, we have to make sure that we do some marketing as well. You can follow me on Twitter, Wes Easley, at Loafinit on Twitter. You can follow John Frisella as well, at Legend Sports 7. Don't forget to follow the show at FI Today with a little underscore there. You can follow John in so many different places uh, and, and keep up with his comments and everything. The John Priscilla blog over at Aaron Torres.sports. What'd you say? What'd you say? Aaron Torres online. Oh man. I, I always think sports whenever I think of Aaron Torres. Was there a sports thing that ended up happening with him too? Or am I just, there, not- there was, there was an. you know, it's funny. I don't even think you knew him back then unless you accidentally ran into his content. His old website way before this was Aaron Torres sports. It was that's how that's, sort of how he built up his brand. I don't know if you maybe you read his stuff in the past. He does color. He covers college football mm-hmm. as one of the top guys. So maybe you were reading something from Alabama because he did cover them a lot. Maybe that's why you think that. No, I, I guarantee you know how I live in the past and my brain is like, you know, 10 years ago or something like that. That's that's probably exactly what it is, John. I almost guarantee you that's what it is. But you can follow all of us there. Don't forget to head over to Anchor FM, subscribe to the show. If it happens to be on the iTunes app, please slap those stars around. Please leave a comment and do those things. But, John, we got this NBA weekend. And this used to be a huge weekend for me whenever I was a kid. I, I, it's lost mm-hmm. its luster for me. You know, the shine is the shine is off the stars for me right now. I don't know if the same feeling is for you or not, but I, I'm sure it was a big deal whenever you were growing up as a kid. The slam dunk contest, the three point contest. Right now, I think the three point contest. I'd rather see it than anything else. Yeah, the three point contest. They put all the good guys in it. At least we can get the real players to play. Right, I think what took the luster off it was when the guys that were name brand players started to get told by their camps and their agents and all the people that represent them that, hey, if you get hurt doing the dunk contest and you cost us all millions, we're going to have a real problem here. So that, that's what ruined it is, you know, I'll, I'll give you, I'll set the scene for you. I still remember being at my parents' house, right? I don't know roughly what the year was, but you'll know when I get there. And all my buddies were over. And we were in that prime age where sports were everything. We were playing every single day, whether it was basketball, baseball, football. We played them all. Hockey, we played all four. And they were the whole gang was over. And my I didn't grow up in a big house. In a small house, we're all sitting by the TV. My dad is there, right? 
They're building up the anticipation, and there it was. It was Vince Carter's first mm. dunk in that mm. Toronto Raptors uniform. Mm. When I, the reaction in that house, the house almost collapsed when we saw Vince Carter's first dunk. I mean, because think about that. Like, that was the height of it. It's never going to reach that again. He was the it player that year, right? It wasn't LeBron. It wasn't – he was the it player that everybody was talking about. And, and it kind of is like that in the NBA in general that every year there's a new guy who has a story who's getting a lot of legs, right? So he was the it player that year, and they got him to do the dunk contest. He was talking it up. He said, wait till you see. Like, Vince Carter was a cool guy. Just very relaxed. He wasn't, like, pumping it up loud. Wait till you see what I'm going to do. And then that was the first guy in the, the competition, the first dunk of the competition. You had the best announcers doing it, and the place was packed. Right? Another thing is we're not going to have all the fans there this year. And that reaction, that it'll never top that. It's been downhill ever since Vince Carter's first dunk. No, I, I, when Vince, Vince, I remember watching the Vince Carter one too. I've seen many of them, uh, and the, he topped everybody else. What, the one thing that stands out to me about Vince Carter compared to nowadays or even before him a little bit, it wasn't gimmicky. You know, he was just dunking a basketball with flair and with style. It, it didn't. He didn't have to pull mascots out there on the court. He didn't have to bounce the ball thirty times above the backboard, and he, it was just pure athleticism and talent and when he stuck his arm through the i i'd never seen anything like that when he when he stuck his arm through the goal and he was just hanging there on the rim by his elbow that unbelievable unbelievable could you imagine nowadays could you imagine if some young stud was in the dunk contest and they tried to pull that dunk what their agent would do to them the second they got off the court They'd be like, I'm getting, so I'm representing somebody else. All the people that are hanging on them for millions, you know, with the posse's nowadays, where the families drain <laughs> these poor kids and they take their money. We heard that story a million times. Could you imagine jamming your arm into the rim like that and risking breaking your arm for the dunk contest? This is why. This is why it's different than what it used to be. Is everyone's aware of that stuff? That's the first thing you think of now. Is whoa, he could have just ruined his stock. He could have ruined his brand by snapping his arm in this basketball hoop back then it was just basketball. You know what I mean? It was just like, this is what we did back then. He would have been a legend if he would have snapped his arm. I mean, he's a <laughs> legend already. Could you imagine how legendary he would have been? I mean, you think about it. You, th you think about evil Knievel, like I brought up earlier, how many limbs did that guy snap? And he has just been a superstar in that name. will just live on for in, 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 in infamy, you know, it just, it'd be great. When we talk about the slam dunk contest, the one person, who I feel like has robbed everybody is LeBron James. He he did not go to a LeBron James uh, slam dunk contest at all. He's never going to. Do you think he will ever be in one? No, I don't think LeBron will ever do a dunk contest. I will tell you this: he did do the one in high school, and I think he pretty much exhausted what he has. Like we've seen LeBron his entire career, his signature dunk is the one where he reaches back really far, but as far as he can, extends his arm, and then he whips it like a rocket. And not only that, he's throwing it straight down. Like nobody when LeBron was at his younger, because even now, even his, after 18, 19 years, he can still dunk it straight down. He can look down at the basket. Nobody could do that, right? But that's kind of what it was for him. So if you go and Google or YouTube his dunk contest from high school, when he was the big thing that everybody was talking about, he pretty much showed you what he would do in that. So it was a lot of like throw it high off the glass, go up really high with, with amazing power and amazing strength. So I think we've kind of seen it. And I, I doesn't, it doesn't bother me that we haven't seen LeBron because think about all these games that he's been in and all these dunks. How many of his dunks are really flashy, right? Vince Carter was flashy in the game. So you knew when he got there with no defender that he was going to do something wild. 
right? But but LeBron is a power dunker that just jumps higher and is stronger than anybody else. So I don't think we'll ever see it, but I don't think we're missing out on anything crazy. Yeah, that's a great point that maybe we've already, that LeBron has already done all of his dunks in a game that he would do in a dunk contest. So we, maybe virtual LeBron could be out there. I do think we're going to see LeBron in a dunk contest before everything's all said and done, John. You think he'll do it for fun? Like once, once he announces it's his last year, that would make sense, right? So if it's before the season and he's going to do his LeBron James victory tour, then I could see him doing it and say, I'm going to go out with a bang. So maybe I'll win the dunk contest, the oldest guy to ever win a dunk contest. You know, <laughs> Same thing with Brady's doing. As much as, much as we, we idolize these guys and we want to think they're good guys, Like I bet you in the back of Brady's mind, and I tweeted about this, that he wants to go until he's 50 so he could say, I was Tom Brady. I played at a high level till I was 50, and nobody else is going to do that. You know what I mean? That's an ego thing. No, I, I, I never thought about that one. That's a good one. I like it. I'm, I'm going to probably run with that one for a long time. That he's just going to win the dunk contest at his old as as the oldest contestant ever in his last year. I've always thought that he was going to be in the dunk contest, throwing the ball to his son in the dunk contest. That's the only way I thought LeBron was ever going to be able to appear in a dunk contest, not actually participating, but actually uh, throwing the ball as that, you know, the guy on the court who tosses the ball to somebody else. And that, well, that's a, that's a good idea. That's a great idea that you just gave him because if he wants to market his son, right, right. What if LeBron is waiting for the transition where he's going to retire and then his son's going to come into the league, right? That's a really, you just opened up the light bulb just went off. That's a really good idea. He brings his son in as the first kid to be in the dunk contest who's not in the NBA yet. And he he agrees to do it on those grounds. So he says, okay, uh, Bron Bron, his son is Bron Bron, is coming into the NBA next year, and I'm going out, right? He's going to set up the transition. We'll both be in the dunk contest. Imagine how many people would watch that. That'd be, the most, that'd be more watched than the Vince Carter one. That would be the most watched dunk contest ever, LeBron and his son in the NBA dunk contest. Ooh, that, that's something. I've always thought that he was going to end up playing with his son somehow, some way. Hey, do you have any favorites here in the slam dunk contest? I, well, we got we got the guy from New York. We got Anthony Simmons. I didn't even know Anthony Simmons can dunk a basketball. I just thought he was a just could shoot the three. I didn't know that he could actually dunk it. And I, I don't even know. Costas Stanley? What, what, yeah. who, who is this? Yeah, I looked at it the same way as you, my friend. So first of all, Obi Toppin is a big, yeah. is a long guy, right? So We've known in the history of the dunk contest, the only big guy to really do well was Dwight Howard, right? He did some good stuff and he like, he had to market himself and do the Superman stuff because he was so big. It's just not that fluid when you're a big guy. Obi Toppin is big and long and gangly and he's the favorite to win right now at plus 150. I would not select Obi Toppin because no. the, the, the big guys don't look good. Like JaVel McGee did it one year and he did some really amazing stuff. Nobody was impressed because he's too big. And he's too long. So I'm going to throw Obi Toppin out and say the favorite's not going to win. I don't know who Cassius Stanley is. I'm on the same page as you. I have no clue. I do do DFS. I do season long. I follow every team. I don't have a clue who that is. So I'm going to throw him out. So I'm going to go with Anthony Simmons because he's not a big guy. And the smaller guys, when they do flashy stuff, it really stands out. So my pick here is going to be Anthony Simmons. And let me give you one caveat. Anthony Edwards should have been in this dunk contest. And that gets us right back to why we don't like it anymore. If you look at his highlight reel from this season, he's been the guy. That's the guy that everybody wants to see. And all his people are saying, don't do it. That's what happened. So I went to go Google Cassius Stanley while you were talking just to be able to pull up some facts about him. And here's the Google search. The first thing that pops up, Cassius Stanley mom. 
That's the first. So, so, I mean, it's not even Cassius Stanley doesn't even have a name. I got to go to ask his mom who he is. Hey, do you what's, what's your how? How good does your son dunk a basketball? You know, I mean, that's what I got to do. Who's Cassius Stanley? I mean, the, when your mom is the guy who's being pulled up there, he is a uh, I see a Duke Blue Devil jersey. He plays for the Indiana Pacers. So our guy Pierre, he knows who Cassius Stanley is, if that's even how you say his name. So that's that's who he is. All right, so he's a Duke. That's guy. crazy. I, I'm shocked. I'm shocked that he's even on the Pacers. I've seen, I've watched every one of their box scores and never seen his name. Yeah, well, maybe he is. I don't know. When you pull up Google. So I would bet on Anthony Simmons as well. I've seen that. Uh, and it's always a little guy. I'll go with the little guy when nobody else has that. When we talk about the skills challenge, that's actually one that I don't mind too much because I like pitting the uh, uh, quick versatile guys versus the big fellas. And I think the big fellas sometimes win this contest, actually, which probably is because the little little guys are like, ah, the big guys, they're just going to trip themselves over. But I think that the Luka Doncic's and the Chris Paul's of the world aren't going to let that happen this year. Yeah, this is, uh, it's it's going to be a tricky field for sure. It's, it's very, very much up in the air. Um, by the way, looking at the site, right, we're on uh, Odd Shark. They actually picked Cassius Stanley to win. So that that's interesting. I mean, he's the he's the dog in the dunk contest, and they picked him to win. So they're going against us. They're going against Simmons. But between that and the three point contest, I think you're talking about two fields that are pretty wide open this year. No, I think so too. And before we get into our pick for the three point contest here, uh, or who we're going to talk about here, let me ask you this: Is it too early? to be thinking about future bets in the NBA of who's going to win the NBA basketball championship this year. Uh, Just too many things going on. To me, there's teams still going to make moves. There's teams still going to make trades. We know that Blake Griffins are going to be moved. We're pretty sure Andre Drummond's are going to be moved. Uh, Is it just too early to be able to really, really place a wager on who might win the NBA championship this season? Actually, actually, no. You actually could do it now, and I'll tell you why. There was a year recently where a bunch of teams made moves at the same time to try to improve in the East, right, at the deadline to try to get better. So that was the year where Philadelphia got Jimmy Butler, right? Uh, the Bucks got Miritich, who was a okay. good three-point shooter at the time. And then one of the other teams that was at the top of the conference added a guy. Oh, I think Toronto added Marcus Gasol, right? Yes, that's what it was. All three of them made moves to try to make a run for the finals, it didn't have an impact at all over who went where. The guys that Matt like because Jimmy Butler played tremendous for Philadelphia and they still came up short, right? The team that made it was still the team that we thought was going to be there when you when you got it, you parsed it down and you got down into the grains and you figured out who was going to be there. So actually, you could think that those moves are going to come and change things up, but for the most part, I think you already know who's going to be there. I think Brooklyn for the East with the guys that they've already added with James Harden and Kyrie and Durant uh, and a lot of their extra guys playing well, I think they're going to be there because the league wants them to be there, right? I think we know Milwaukee, no matter what they do, they always come up short, and the rest of that East has fallen off. So the Eastern Conference Finals, no matter who makes moves, it looks like Brooklyn and and Philadelphia to me because Philadelphia finally did what they had to do. They got a real coach. They got Doc Rivers. He's got these guys playing great ball, and they got a real GM. They got Daryl Morey from the Rockets. So I think with their front office and Brooklyn's players, I think it's going to be Brooklyn and Philadelphia. So you, if you want to lay down your bets, that's where you're at. And then in the West, the one team that is going to make a move, I think, is going to be the Lakers because Anthony Davis is hurt, and they know if they get to the finals, they got to take on the Nets three stars. So that's the one where you got to hold off. If you're, you're not sure who they're going to get, 
I'm not sure about the West. So the East, I would say, if you're going to lay your bet, lay it down on Brooklyn or lay it down on Philadelphia. Okay, that, that's simple. See, I, you know, I, I always like looking at those long shots, right? I always like looking mm-hmm. at the teams who may not have it. So if I let, wait, lay down a $5 wager, I might be able to pay off big time. You don't think, you don't, I don't like that Philadelphia has almost zero outside shooting at all. I don't, I don't like that. And I don't think that they're going to be able to get the job done. So I'm going to lay off Philadelphia and they always fall short too. And we're just one moment away from Joel Embiid having another injury. So well, I, I, no, don't... I mean, let me just tell you, no offense, my friend, but this Daryl Morey came in and the first thing he did was add five shooters. They got Seth, Car- Seth Curry, who's shooting ah. the lights out this year. Ah. They got Danny Green, who's the most ah. experienced. He's the most experienced three-point shooter in the league. He's yeah. been in more playoff games than any three-point shooter. So they got those two guys, and that, that's why do you think they're playing so much better? Because they have room for Simmons to drive. They have room for Tobias Harris, who likes to play all three levels, right? He likes to shoot the three yeah. and drive in the mid-range. And they got room for Embiid if he wants to post up or if he wants to pull it out. He likes to do both. So those two guys, plus they have Maz on the bench that shoots threes and is a good three-point shooter. It's a better team than what they've had. That's why they're playing better than they used to. Okay, I I know that those names are there. I see those names. But anytime I play those names on DFS, they always let me down. So I don't think that I'm going to put a lot of stock into those guys being able to play. You put Corkmas in your lineup for 10 bucks or whatever you put uh, for, you know, $3,000 and all he gives you is negative points. That's terrible. Terrible, John. Uh do you so you don't think like my my Bulls have got a shot if they make a move for some big time uh, player to go alongside of a Levine or a Markinen or a Wendell Carter Jr. You don't think that those guys they they have got a very deep team, John, and they are at plus twenty thousand right now for Bavada. I guess I shouldn't think that uh, that they they got a shot if they're plus forty thousand to win the NBA championship, twenty thousand to win the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I mean, there's more crooked aspects of the NBA than other sports. There is no way in the world the Bulls would ever get to the finals. They have no, they have no marketability, right? They, you, oh. Remember, you have to do two things when you look at the NBA. It's different than other sports. Well, first of all, NFL, clearly, I mean, look how we ended up in the finals. We got Brady and Mahomes in the finals. Yes, these, are, these teams are great, but there's also elements of the playoffs where these things add up, and then they get the right teams there. You think they were going to let the Browns beat the Chiefs? That game when Mahomes went down, they'll do whatever they got to do to get the right teams in there so people will watch the game, right? So the NFL and the NBA have that aspect of it more than any of the other sports. And the NBA is worse. The NBA is worse than the NFL. So there's no marketability. Zach Levine's good for the dunk contest. If you want to put him in that, you'll get some people to watch, but you're not going to put them in the finals. So they have no chance, right? They're, if you want to talk about just on basketball alone, for the teams that aren't doing well, Toronto at least has the experience. They have guys that are good in the clutch and that they play hard. They have a losing record right now. They're 17 and 19. So if you're going to go just off basketball and place an underdog bet, Toronto is an option for that. Miami's only 18 and 18. They have Jimmy Butler. They made a run last year. They showed that they have toughness in the playoffs. They have a possibility of making a run. So you got Toronto and Miami on the cheap side. I don't see anybody else in the East. Those would be the only underdog plays that I see in the Eastern Conference. Really, and Miami is plus 4,000 right now on Bavada to be able to win that NBA championship. You don't think the Knicks have got enough talent if Mitchell Robinson comes back, if they make one move for somebody, some big name to be able to help in that situation? They're at plus 15. Hold on, hold on a second. I'm falling off my chair. I'm rolling on the ground right now. My, head's, <laughs> my head is sideways. As soon as you said the word Knicks, I started leaning. 
and I just leaned all the way, and now I'm holding the microphone and laying on the ground right now. Well, they got so, marketability like you talk about. That. I mean, it's the New York Knicks. It's Madison Square Garden. It's a Tom Thibodeau is there, and he has made, improved that team a bunch, and they don't have any shooters either, really, though. Yeah, no, look, I first of all, let me say, separate of that, I love the way the Knicks are playing. Obviously, I get all the games here. So we have MSG Network for the Knicks games. So I've been watching them. I think they're playing great. I think Thibodeau is absolutely a candidate for Coach of the Year. He's got to be in the top three. So I agree with that 100%. But you're talking about specifically NBA Finals bets. First of all, you're putting the Nets in the Finals. So you got one already. There's no way they're not letting the Nets get to the finals with those guys. The ratings will be through the roof to see Durant and Harden and Kyrie and all those guys together under pressure with Harden never winning a championship. So we're putting them in right away, right? So now put that against what's out there. Philadelphia is a great story because they they had the process, trust the process, and these guys, Embiid and Simmons, they finally got the right pieces in place to make a run, and people are into them this year. Their, their jersey sales have been going up if you look at the chart. So people, so you got those. You got Giannis on the Bucks. He's way more marketable than anybody on the Knicks. Uh, I think Boston's kind of boring right now. I think people are down on Boston. So you can throw them out. Then you got the Miami revenge story from last year. So I think if you look at marketing in the East, it's Brooklyn number one, Philadelphia, Milwaukee, and Miami. I think those four teams are the teams oh. the league would want to be in there. The Knicks are not one of those teams. Hold on, hold on. You're telling me that there's no reason to pay attention to the NBA season because it's just going to all come down to marketing, and and it's already their their tickets are already booked. This sounds you think you t- think I am a conspiracy theorist. Listen to you, man. You're like the talent does not matter because they're going to ensure that these people get in there so that they can make the big dollars. This is all going into a gematria numbers time effect or something. You're talking about Illuminati stuff, John. This is you're going down the conspiracy rabbit hole, my friend. Not me. It's not, it's not Illuminati, though. It's based on facts. Go, go back through the history of the last 20 finals in the NBA. Right? Again, like I've said before, it's nothing to take away from these teams. Look at the teams I'm naming. I'm naming the teams that are at the top of the conference. I'm not saying they're going to take some team at the bottom and bring them all the way up with a rigged effect. That's not how it works. Hold what on. That, that's exactly what happens to the Brooklyn Nets. They've they've rigged it to where they get all the good players, and they've gone from the bottom with Jay-Z and, and uh, uh, what's it, Beyonce sitting there at the top of the list. And they're uh, who is if you're going to talk about Illuminati characters, those guys are Illuminati characters like nobody else. And, and you're bringing them all the way up from the bottom to the top. Like you said, the Brooklyn Nets have never had a team worthwhile, and now all of a sudden they're going to be NBA champions? Yeah, but that's, that has nothing to do with the league. You're, you're making a, the, I'm saying the only thing you control as a league is fouls, right? And it's documented by referees that are caught, like Tim Donahue. Again, we don't put a lot of stock in him, right? Because he got busted or whatever, this and that. Then again, he has quotes from other people verbatim. Not like I believe everything he says. Obviously, the guy's a con artist. That goes without saying. But we've watched, I watched that game, the Kings game against the Lakers. It was a game seven. The Kings were a much better team than the Lakers in terms of how they played together, right? That was, was the Mike it? Bibby, Mike Bibby, yeah. Doug Christie, Chris Webber. Remember that team? Oh, yeah. That, that was a great – Vladi Divac, man. Oh, That's right. You, you ever hear stories about Vladi Divac like smoking a pack of cigarettes in the locker room at halftime? Yeah, that's like Cespedes. Cespedes was smoking cigarettes in the in the clubhouse when the Mets made their run to the to the World Series. He was smoking cigs, ripping just like Vladi Divac. <laughs> so, but listen, we I watched that game and I was 13 years old. And I remember saying that was rigged 100%. Go back and read the stories, right? Back then, that was before Tim Donahue even came out. He mentioned that as a game where they made a call down to Dick Bavetta, 
the referee at halftime and said, nobody's going to watch the Sacramento Kings in the finals. They're going to watch Shaq and Kobe, right? So whatever it is, how, however you want to say it. Well, it's that not was the like, comeback game. Was that the comeback game? Yes, and there were 30 fouls on the Kings in the second half. Oh, yeah. Okay. 30 fouls. How do you think they won? If they didn't call 30 fouls, the Lakers lost. They were down by 30 points at halftime. All right, I'm, I'm going to go back and watch that. Sacramento... And I remember it very, but I haven't gone back YouTube to watch it. So I'm gonna- right now, of course, again, it's a mixed effect, right? Every everything that I ever talk about and all the the theories, whatever, it's a mixed effect. That game still came down to the ball got tipped out to Robert Ory, and Robert Ory made the three at the end of the game. It's not like the league can help with that, right? So he he made the big shot, big shot, Bob, and the Lakers moved on. But if you chip away at the edges. Right, the same way like a gambler. I just watched a, a blackjack documentary about the way gamblers that are professional, not cheaters. They're just taking all the edges on the house and they use it against them, kind of like Phil Ivey did with that movie that's about to come out about how he was edging casinos and making a lot of money off them. Uh, mm-hmm. They try to take every little edge and add it together. That's what the NBA can do. They can't just take over the game for the players and win the game for them, but they can give them little edges here and there so they can push them in the direction that they want. So I'm not saying that they're controlling everything. They're just getting the right teams in the right spots, and then they got to take it from there. So in the East, that's Brooklyn and Philadelphia. And in the West here, let me give you a great example again. The Lakers were the worst team in the in the West going into the playoffs last year. If you go back to the Twitter feeds, everybody's like, wow, can't believe the Lakers even made it into the bubble. They've been playing terrible. Everybody except LeBron and Anthony Davis is awful. That's what everyone was talking about. They, they stunk it up as they got into the playoffs. They were just kind of like moseying their way in. Then the playoffs came and they were the best team and they went to the finals because why it was a bubble year and you want to watch LeBron James and you want to watch Anthony Davis in the finals. That's the way it had to be. Nobody wants to watch the San Antonio Spurs. We're done with that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. My, uh, yeah. I'm going to be doing a lot of research on different players and their ties to the Illuminati after this. And I'm going to find <laughs> out some good wagers because it's because it's I was looking at the Phoenix Suns and I'm like, okay, Chris Paul, does not know the right people because Chris Paul is never going to win an NBA championship. And the Phoenix Suns are a very talented team, right? They're, they're a very talented team. But Chris Paul does not have the right connections, and maybe that's why LeBron James never wants him on his team, actually, and he never ends up being there. But he's played with Dwayne Wade. He's played with the Chris Boshes of the world. He's brought in Antonio Davis. And so maybe maybe Chris Paul just says, no, I'm, I'm not into the Illuminati, man. Yeah, it's not it's not Illuminati. I, I again we're we're on a recorded show here. There's no there's no <laughs> Illuminati. I'm not talking anything like that. No, I'm just you're talking not. about no, I'm talking about management ratings. of yes. ratings, marketing, and management of the league. That's what I would call it. Because I totally understand what they do. You're you're marketing a product when you're at the top of the league right. and you gotta get people's eyes on the biggest games. Nobody cares about a, a regular season game on a Tuesday in the middle of the year, but they do care about the championship and it's a it's a noted fact that when they get the wrong formula and the wrong teams are in the finals, the ratings go in the tube, right? So when you go and do your research later, look at the lowest rated Super Bowls and the lowest rated NBA finals, and you're going to say, gee, that makes sense. Nobody wanted to watch the Pistons with Ben Wallace, Richard Hamilton, Chauncey Billups. They weren't a marketable team. They wanted to see LeBron's Cavaliers. The ratings went in the tubes when the Pistons played the Spurs. So you can't. it's, it's a known fact. So they have to protect themselves against that. Now let me give you a couple of picks. Because I know you like the the underdogs and the long shots. If you want an underdog in the Western Conference, the Golden State Warriors aren't even in the playoffs right now. They're 19 and 18. But guess what? Steph Curry is still one of the top four most marketable players in the league. So if you want to put a long shot bet down, you might as well go with Golden State. The second choice is Dallas. 
Luka Doncic, one of the most marketable players in the league, MVP type candidate. They're only 18 and 16. So if you're going to go for your two underdogs in the West, it's going to be Golden State and it's going to be Dallas. In the East, it's going to be Miami and uh, Toronto. Those are your four underdog picks. I'm going to start. I'm going to start a spreadsheet. And I'm going to see who makes the headlines the most because that's whoever the NBA is then trying to market, right? Right. Uh, and 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 you know, just jumping off the table at me, Utah actually made some headlines because they were the the last two All Stars picked were uh, Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert were the last two people picked in <laughs> in LeBron's draft and and uh, whatever his name is Kevin Durant's draft. Uh, so maybe the Utah Jazz are going to make the headlines. They are the most impressive team. I think they have the best record in the NBA right now. I think you just proved the point. They're, they, the Utah Jazz, like I've been watching a lot of NBA this year, have been by far the best team in the league. Nobody could even sniff them. They're, a good comparison is like that Pistons team where everybody on the team has their job. Everybody does something. They don't need to lean on anyone. Donovan Mitchell missed a week of games. They won all the games anyway. right? They just changed their, their strategy. They went with Mike Conley a little bit more. They did a little more pick and roll, whatever it is. They just move on to the next guy in line, and they work together as a team. The Utah Jazz aren't going to the finals, pal. It's not happening unless they can get in as the second team, right? The Lakers are going to be there. The Lakers are getting there with LeBron as long as Anthony Davis is healthy when that time comes and whatever guy they pick up, whether it's a trade or or some veteran free agent that gets cut, something like that. So the Lakers are going to be there. The only spot that's open is who is that second spot, and uh, that's the only way Utah can get in. They'd have to keep playing the way they're playing right now, completely lights out, where it doesn't even matter what the fouls are, right? The marketing doesn't matter. I'll give you an example of the team that made it that way. The Dallas Mavericks, when they won with Dirk Nowitzki, they shot so well, there was nothing anybody could do. There's no, there's no, not the, not calling it rigged. I'm just saying angles. There was no way to take an angle and, and knock Dallas out of it because they played so well, they were the best team. So Utah, in order for them to maintain, they got to keep shooting at the clip they're shooting at and maintain that all the way through the playoffs. That's a lot of pressure. You know what I mean? And setting up perfectly for a great shooter to win the three-point contest is Steph Curry this year. I don't know who is going to be able to contend with him in this contest at all. We have who? Jason Tatum? No, right? We're just going to say no on Jason Tatum. Donovan Mitchell? Ah, I can't see that happening. Zach Levine? No, he can get hot, but I don't know that he can get hot through two rounds, three rounds. I'm not sure how this is all going to work out in the three-point contest. Mike Conley? has never been that great of a shooter from the outside. I think he has his moments. But once again, when you have to go that many rounds against Steph Curry, Steph Curry can knock you out. I think Jalen Brown might be able to catch heat, and he's actually the guy who's one of the lowest possible uh, picks that you can have. He's got the best odds at plus 650. So I'm not sure that Jalen Brown can do it either. Steph Curry's going to run away with this thing. Uh, Yes, in theory, there's no comparison between the other guys in here. But I want to talk about the way we do in the NFL, the correct betting theory. Right. So the correct betting theory in a field like this is everybody's starting with a zero score. There's no mm. spread. Right. So all it takes is for Curry to have a little bit of a bad stretch in the middle of one of his rounds. And that's going to cost him because it's one versus five. He's one of six. So he's plus 145. There's no question he's the best guy here. There's, there's no comparison. But it only takes a little blip in one round for one of these other guys to jump in and take advantage. And it's crazy. Our mind meld is nuts. I, If I were to take one of these other guys, it probably would be Jalen Brown at plus 650 because why not? Jalen Brown could be just as good as Zach Levine. Zach right. Levine is the number two favorite at plus 375. So I would say if you're going to pick, the safe pick is obviously Curry. 
He's the right guy. He's the best guy. The underdog pick is probably the biggest odds, plus 650 Jalen Brown. So it depends on how you want to go. But I, I probably, in these things, usually you want to take a dog. You want to take an underdog because you're getting the right odds and there's no spread. It's not like we have to worry about what the public on this and that. It's starting everybody from zero. So you're getting an equal chance if the guy gets hot. So I, I would say I probably would take Jalen Brown also. I always look at shooting styles whenever I think about the three-point contest. And to me, Zach Levine, Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum are all very long. They have long shooting styles, and that just never works out well, from my opinion, whenever I look at the three-point contestants. Uh, and, and I wish more people would do more things. Do you remember Michael Jordan being in the three-point contest one year? Uh, I do remember that. Uh, yeah. Did he? What he came in second? I think he oh, lost. No, no, he he didn't. I don't think he could pass the first round, man. Uh, just a total embarrassment. Whenever you think, but he was never a great three point shooter. But man, he tried. You know, it was just one of those things. And so many times nowadays in the NBA, in the NFL, it's all about marketing. It's all about those things. So I think in the NBA three point contest, uh, Steph Curry does run away with this one as they turn on the magnetic balls and the magnetic rim for him to be able to make those things go in a little bit easier. And then, <laughs> and then, and then hit the polar opposites for the rest of the guys. I'm just kidding, John. John, you did a great job on this show navigating the correct terminology as I threw out words that would uh, put people in distress in the world today. <laughs> Whenever they think about that, you did a great job navigating all those things. And it was really fun talking about some of these uh, conspiracy theories. Yeah, I've always been a little bit of a conspiracist, but also it's more you know, coming from my background also in, in my business and seeing the way that marketing works in general and watching the way firms and businesses operate. I've learned that a lot over 12 years in business, seeing the way it works. I'm just multiplying that to a higher scale and, and also knowing the background of the finals and seeing the way that all these things are interconnected. There, there's a responsibility for the players and the coaches and the front offices. There's also responsibility for the people running the league and the officials to get things the way they needed to get to keep interest in the business. The business is the NBA. The business is the NFL, right? The players are even getting better with that. The way that they all get along now and they do marketing opportunities together. In the old days, there was rivalries between teams. They wouldn't do marketing stuff together. Now they do because they realize it builds up the NBA. If you build up the NBA, you build up the money in your pocket, right? So all these things are interconnected. It's not a conspiracy. It's running a business. But I have always been a little bit in terms of things aren't exactly the way that they seem. So I agree with you on that. Yeah, that stuff to start. I, I guess we'd give the most credit to like a David Stern with something like that, where he made sure right. some things uh, encouraged some things to happen on the court. Uh, whenever I think about the Chicago White Sox owner, I can't remember his name, whenever he would put uh, uh, different gimmicks together to try and sell tickets. Uh, David Stern, I think, said, let's let's sell tickets through the stars and let's make the stars make this happen. Let's give them the best opportunity to market themselves, which will market our teams. So we got to make sure that they're in the right places to succeed. Well, you, you made a great example because if you say David Stern, the first thing that anybody says who knows the business, they say marketing genius. They don't say crooked. They don't say it's rigged, right? There's no such thing. He's a marketing genius. You, you, you need to manage your business, and that's what he did. He was amazing. So I think David Cern's a great example. I think I think Adam Silver's done a really good job. I think mm -hmm. he's ushered them into the new the new generation and the way that things are now. So I think he's done really well. I think the NBA commissioners have been better than a lot of the other ones. Although Roger Goodell has done a good job turning his reputation around, right sure. with the concussion stuff. He was in trouble with that a few years ago with the concussion stuff. They've turned it around. They made a nice program to protect the players, change the rules. And one thing I'll say about Roger Goodell, every time you watch the NFL draft, he's so buddy-buddy with all the young kids. 
coming into the league. He supports them because he knows that's the future of his job. If he makes all these guys and the coaches happy and the players happy, he'll keep his job and keep rolling over as the commissioner. So these guys are getting smarter and smarter when it comes to marketing. And David Stern was really the first one to do that. Yeah, I think Goodell, it, the public, the public vibe for him and the players are are completely two totally different things, right? The ownership league. I think in the league. Goodell is really loved and respected because they've seen how much money comes into the league and everybody benefits from it. From a <laughs> from a fan perspective, I don't mind him at all. But he just it's it's now become a thing where we boo him, where we do those things. It's become almost a gimmicky wrestling type of move, more so than anything else. But he has totally transformed the NFL and he has made it through some of those t- uh, tumultuous times through those uh, concussion protocols and all. Yeah, I mean that was bad, right? When they when they first realized what was happening, I don't know if you've seen the movie with Will Smith, who he plays the doctor that discovered the extent of these brain injuries. I mean, you got guys that were killing themselves because their brains were so screwed up from the hits they were taking at, at uh, close range mm-hmm. in the NFL. So, I mean, that was bad once they saw the way that rolled out. And they look, the league itself at, at large. I don't want to finger point one person. They tried to bury that stuff at the beginning because, of yeah. course, they were like, we might not be able to play. They were like, we're going to have to fold up the league if, if all these people are worried about getting brain injuries. So they've transitioned it nicely to accommodate and try to do things to protect the players. I think it's great. you got to do that in all the sports, but football is the most dangerous. So uh, it's really they've done a really good job turning around the narrative and, uh, and giving some safety to the players when they can. It's not always possible, but at least they try. Hey, great job today, John. You can find John uh, Frisella over on Twitter at Legend Sports 7. You can find all his information online at AaronTorres.online.com. Did I do it right? I got it right. AaronTorresOnline.com. Doesn't matter. Like you always say, just Google John Frisella blog, Google Aaron Torres website. It doesn't matter. We'll, we'll pop up. We're all over the place. We are, and you can follow me on Twitter, uh, Wes Easley at Loafinit on Twitter. See, I, I I have a tough time even getting wine out sometimes. And I was the most thing, the, the thing I was most proud of, John. I didn't say Howard Stern instead of saying David Stern during this whole podcast. So that was that was really really I was I was proud of myself for that. You went two for two. You didn't say Howard Stern, and you didn't say John Legend. You went two for two. I had to stop both times and think. I don't like thinking. Sometimes it hurts. But you can also follow the show at FI Today with a little underscore. Head over to Anchor FM. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And every time, uh, make sure you turn on notifications, anything like that. So whenever we do have one that's released here in the offseason, you're able to benefit from that by listening to it. We really do appreciate everybody listening. And more importantly than anything that we've talked about today, it's always up to us fantasy impact today family to go out into the world and make a positive impact in somebody's life today 